Welcome to the This Is Us Sober podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Steph. We're two women from opposite sides of the world who found each other in sobriety. Yeah, we want to create a community and culture where sobriety is something to be proud of. Mm-hmm. Please join us every week to hear our take on all things sober. You are not alone. Let's make sobriety the fun choice. Absolutely. But if you're experiencing side effects or issues with your drinking that are putting you in danger or seriously impacting your life, please seek professional advice. We're not professionals. Steph and I are just two people with a story to share and a message to spread. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, Steph, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Sarah? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. What's the week held for you? Well, as of today, I'm 247 days sober. So we'll start there. Oh. Um, and then, yeah. How many months week. is that, Steph? So last or last Friday, I celebrated eight months sober. So big. Oh, my God. That must feel so good. It, yes. Yes. It felt amazing. Um, I mean, every time a new month comes, it's just like to look back at where you started to where you're at it's mm-hmm. just, just a crazy ride but it's so good it's full of such good stuff you know it's a good time to reflect I feel like um so that's what yeah. I did on Friday is I did a lot of reflecting on that and um in-laws came in town and that visit was great went fast like usual but um yeah it was a good time um how about you I know you had something that you did that was pretty big and mind blowing on for me to comprehend <laughs> what exactly it was that you did. And and I want you to share this because our American listeners, I feel will be just as flabbergasted as I am. You'll have to do the, um, the, the translation. Is that the right word? Actually, I'll find it. Um, so what is it in what, what so we're kilometers in your miles. Okay. Correct. So I walked 62.1 miles or 100 kilometres um, for Oxfam for charity with uh, three of my really close friends. Yeah, it, it was, I've done it before, um, but because we've, and it's always difficult, of course, because it's high elevation and that kind of stuff, lots of hills, mountains, etc. But this time um, it took 10 hours longer than last time because of the amount of rain that we've been having. So um, Mm. essentially the ground was just mud. The whole way was mud. So uh, it took us 31 and a half hours. Um, But it was good. It was, I'd been feeling um, a little down in the dumps, you know, with losing my beloved dog and Mm -hmm. just the stresses of all the things and, um, Getting out in nature with friends seems to have cleared that out. So it was worth the 4 a.m. micro sleeps on my feet. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Micro sleep. So, like, just a quick shut eye is all you did that yeah. time? No, well, no, we didn't. It was literally, it was an involuntary thing. So we didn't sleep at all. But mm. um, in between <laughs> a couple of the checkpoints, um and Leah my friend had a similar thing um and I hadn't had this before I think because it, it, I, I hadn't walked for as long 
my my body just like it's like they say you have micro sleeps if you're fatigued in a car i had the same thing on my feet and so did leah so we'd be walking along wow. and our eyes would just involuntarily start to shut and you'd have to like wake yourself up because otherwise obviously we were on trails we would have stacked it on rocks yeah. and stuff like that but yeah both of us it happened for about half an hour and then we took a caffeine tab and we were okay but yeah literally micro sleeping oh on bush trails yeah it was crazy that is crazy yeah. it's my weekend i've just been catching up since very similar to blacking out drunk and falling over but this is a more <laughs> healthier alternative to that yeah. yeah yeah a little more constructive <laughs> yeah it's so mind-blowing to me so i really i'm glad you talked about it because i'm sure i'm not alone in how mind-blowing that is and amazing and i just i'm in <laughs> awe of that that you but it just shows that our bodies are so capable of doing so many things like they say mm. that our mind gives up before the body does and so it is such a mental mm. oh, thing absolutely. i'm sure to push yourself through that yeah I, I mean i do quite a lot of kind of on the extreme side things i guess um and it's definitely any time that i've had to you know either pull out or except for once i ended up under a space blanket because i was at the beginning of getting the flu and i went into mm. full stress mode and that was like a, a physical sickness thing but aside yeah. from that anytime i've been a um a dnf which is in competing speaker did not finish um it's been because mm. of my head not my body yeah. um and i think being sober um this time because you know of all the challenges that you have when you're sober and the way that you have yeah. to just kind of feel it all as your tattoo says mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. there were times where i was like this is fucked like uh you know <laughs> like all the feelings that you always have like i'm so bored why do i do this shit? blah 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 i could say to myself like mm, i mean like how obvious are you had like obviously you were going to say that shit to me you know and then yeah. just put one foot in front of the other put a podcast on it was fine um yeah. so certainly being sober um has given me the kind of mental strength to not believe everything my head tells me um because my head can say some seriously effed up stuff um yeah. and sobriety really helps you learn how to um tell it who's boss hey it really does. Mm, mm. I, I couldn't agree more. I think sobriety probably had a lot to do with that for you. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I definitely enjoyed it more than I ever have in the in the past. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that was my adventure, and then yeah, just the rest of the weekend, I went to my daughter's soccer game and um, watched a lot of Hacks. It's my favorite show at the moment, and uh, getting back on track. So yeah, on onwards to the next adventure, but. But Steph, eight months. I'm just, I'm so <laughs> proud of you and stoked. And obviously I've been there a lot of that way. Um, and I know how far you've come. But I also know, as we've discussed, I think in our first podcast, that you've done a lot of that work solo. And that's really yeah. our topic today is mm -hmm. um, about uh, how to support somebody um, that's, sober starting to get sober wanting to get sober sober curious any of those things so what can the people around us do to help us reach that goal um and i think this is going to be a really interesting one 
again, you know, we have these two polar opposite experiences being in yeah. different sides of the world and, and also in different support networks. So, Steph, I think let's kick off today with yeah. kind of hearing about what yours, I'd say, looks like, but you don't really have one. But you're going to have to really explain yeah. that, I think, because it's pretty yeah. exceptional. I think what I can bring to the table in this conversation is kind of what I wish I had or mm. the things that I actually look for in in support mm. with my sobriety. So, yeah. um, you know, while you could probably, some of these things that I say could say, yes, I have that in so-and-so. Um, and I, I would say that I'm not completely alone. I, I have built a, a small community now of people that do support me. Mm. Um, but it did take a while. I mean, it's, it was hard. So Mm. yeah, Mm. yeah. Mm. It would have been, it's mind blowing to me what you've done, Mm -hmm. um, which Mm -hmm. obviously we'll hear more about. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, I did write a blog post by this, by the way, or a blog post about this. Um, Which we'll so, link to in our show notes as always. Yeah. 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 Um, but I guess I want to start with probably the biggest thing is when someone comes to you and tells you that they feel their drinking has become a problem, um, probably the best thing to do is show some understanding in that and some compassion and empathy and knowing that this is a problem for them. And I guess, you know, where I'm going with that is I've had more than one person um, in the past say things to me like, well, what if you just cut back and tried to do this? No, Mm -hmm. and it really kind of hindered my sobriety um, especially when, and I mean, this has got, this has gone on for years, um, especially when it's someone that I really felt that I could be vulnerable with and trust with that information that like, Hey, I don't feel in control of my drinking anymore. I really think I should quit. And then for them to turn around and say, well, you don't really have a problem. Mm. You know, why don't you just try to cut back a little bit here and there? And really what that is about is one a lot of them drank the same way I did. So if I have a problem, they have a problem. Mm. And so it's really not about me. It, they're turning it into being more of a conversation about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then two, I think some of them just weren't, I was really good about st- trying to stay in control while I was drinking and acting like I had my shit together. And mm-hmm. so then when I go and say, I think it's a problem, well, they don't see it as a problem because I never showed that side. And so I think if you can just, when someone does come to you and they're going to try to, you know, quit drinking or they say, Hey, I think my drinking's a problem. Um, Instead of telling them why you don't think it's a problem. Cause sometimes that's just (laughs) like, also sometimes you just want to control someone and and like make them feel better. Like, Oh, you don't have a problem, but in reality, that's not what they need in that moment. You need to just say, how can I help you with this? And how can I be here for you? Mm -hmm. And, you know, an offer to say, hey, you've got, if this is how you feel and you feel like you need to stop drinking, 
I support you 100%. I'm here if you need someone to talk to. I mean, for me, that would be like the best thing to hear in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, but you didn't get that. I didn't. I will say, once again, shout out to my buddy Yvonne. She, she's my soul sister. She has been really great with this from day one, but she's also not someone that I would spend long hours drinking with. Mm. She's not, she's not someone that I was spending a lot of my time with probably mm. because she didn't drink like I did. Yeah. I mean, we would, we would, you know, have a glass of wine together um, so when we would get together, but it was never to that point. So she actually would have been the perfect one to say something like that to me, but she didn't. She, she is definitely an exception to the rule, but yes, I have had family members and other people very close to me um, that, yeah, they just did not see it that way at all. Mm. Mm -mm. I think, um, and obviously we'll get more into my experience later, but I really um, hear what you're saying about Yvonne, um, who sounds like I'd love her as well. She just sounds so great. Yes, Shout out Yvonne. <laughs> um, I, I think, I don't even know how to word this, but I, I think you'll know what I mean and other people who are in the sober community will understand as well is that real friendship can't be measured by the amount of hours you can sit down and shoot the shit for. Like mm -hmm. um, when you're drinking and you're bonded by just trying to get buzzed, you can sit there for hours and, and you can mistake that for closeness and you can mistake that for true connection because you don't have any inhibitions and really you're just trying to elongate the amount of time that you can spend socializing and drinking because it it feels good at the time right right when you're sober and you're catching up with your real friends like the post that i put up on instagram you know i went away with my school friends who are true friends regardless of alcohol or not um mm -hmm. to the hunter valley earlier in the year i was early in my sobriety um i knew it wouldn't make a difference because we're just old mates and you know you've got your old school friends you know how that is yeah. it's just it always yeah. is what it is it's like coming home yeah um but you know they would all sit around and chat and have their wine and that kind of stuff totally fine none of them are massive drinkers but you know they were drinking and they would mm -hmm. stay up later than me they were totally fine after a few hours of playing board games and chatting and eating for me to be like great guys, right, I'm out, I'll see you in the morning. Yeah. You just, when you're a sober person, you don't just want to sit around and shoot the breeze all the time. You want to have your conversation, have you feel particularly as introverts and then move on, you know. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people um, might, and I think I did in the early days, mistake the length of time and the stamina you have for a social situation for what friendship really looks like because friendship isn't being able to just you know sit around and talk for 12 hours I think you know maybe when we were teenagers and we had to take our phone with the cord into our bedroom and sit right. in bed and talk for that long maybe that's the last time we could do that um without yeah. drinking but I certainly can't do that anymore no. I want to yeah. right right yeah it's true it is really true how many hours spent and it yeah and it's just 
not e- like you said, it's just not even really about connecting anymore. It's just about using that connection as an excuse to drink and mm. used to feel like the drinking's okay because yeah. they're doing it too. Like, yeah. ooh, should we have another glass of wine? Yeah, okay. You know, it's just yeah. that going back and forth and yeah yeah it's just yeah kind of like a, it's like an enabling it's an enabling uh type relationship that's not really probably the healthiest you know no no and and you know th- th- I'm, I'm certainly not saying and i know you're not either that two people that drink together can't be real friends right but you'll often find that when you strip alcohol away all you have left is friendship and then you really know mm-hmm. what that looks like. So there are certainly mm-hmm. friends that I still hang out with all the time that have been my drinking buddies and, that you know, it's still sure. there. But, um, yeah, as you know, you can definitely establish friendships that don't have foundations if you're lubricated every time you're in those situations does that make sense yeah yeah Yeah. um so i guess support wise breaking down your experience you what i'm hearing from you is the way to support somebody would be um not to put your own experience into it, but to just support that person and and be there as they kind of work that situation with alcohol out, yes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, your opinion of what a drinking problem is is not going to be very, very beneficial at that point for them because everyone has a reason why it's a problem for them. and for you to just disregard that is just like telling someone who's upset to quit crying, you know, mm. it's, just, it's not, yeah. it's not a healthy way to help someone process something that they're feeling. Yeah. If they think it's a problem, it's probably a problem. So Sarah, I know that your situation is different than mine as far as support. So let's talk a little bit about how that looked for you early on in your sobriety with your Mm. circle of friends. Yeah, um, my situation almost couldn't be more different in so far as I was always the drinker. Um, So uh, it's only in retrospect that you realize how much you've lost by way of connection by being the drinker because mm. um because my friends generally because because I hang out with runners right like i mean i'm i'm a borderline athlete or was you know like yeah. running super long distances and all my friendship groups are around you know training and exercise and all that kind of stuff and then you know there are others but overall nobody drank a lot so Uh, or drinks a lot. So I would find myself in social situations, which make me quite anxious anyway, not with my close friends, but, you know, like things where there were more people or whatever, willing them to drain their glasses, like being fixated 
on their glasses mm. more than on the conversation because I would drink really quickly. That was the other thing about my drinking. I was a grey area regular but not necessarily binge drinker. Mm -hmm. But I would drink really fast because of the reason for my drinking being just to shut my ADHD addled head up. Yeah. Um, I would drink really quickly to get the dull, right? So if I was in a situation with my friends and my head was doing its thing, I'm trying to concentrate on them. But in order to concentrate on them, I felt like I needed more to drink. They would drink really slowly. Oh, wow. And so I'd be more fixated on how much was in their glass and so yeah. I would be very distracted by that it would make me low level kind of just not in the situation I wasn't present um, mm -hmm. because I was more concerned about that so um, but that doesn't answer the question of kind of what I needed to be sober and it's very for how different our situations are Mm -hmm. my need was exactly the same as yours. So um, I needed people to appreciate that I had a problem because mm -hmm. grey area drinking especially is considered pretty, quote, unquote, normal, normal drinking. You know, to have a couple of glasses right. a night, um, a little bit more on the weekend is pretty standard but I had known for years that for me, like decades, that mm -hmm. for me, it it just didn't serve me. Um, I was fuzzy. I was tired all the time. I was irritable. I wasn't present, like I discussed. Um, I, I I was berating myself because I'd make promises to myself about my drinking and then break them. So to me, yeah. it was a problem and it was always on my mind either hating myself for how much I was drinking or worrying about how much I would drink in any given situation worrying about if I had wine at home you know it was mm. just constant all the thought um and especially because of how my head works uh, it was mm -hmm. it was just constant um and it got to the point where I was just spending my day Basically, my day was a countdown until a glass of red wine. That's what it boiled down to. Yeah, that is a fucking problem. Like, problem. like, yeah. There's, there's yeah. no. Um, so I needed people to see that, but because people aren't in my head, and because right. I wasn't necessarily, although I did with Davia and Leah a few times, um, you know, because I wasn't laying it out in those exact terms, it would, it was easy for people to say, "Oh no, you're fine." or don't worry about it too much or um yeah you know i even i even steph i even uh earlier early last year i called a crisis line um oh. i was just like i cannot kick this i think i have alcohol use disorder i just it's something i desperately want to be able to manage and i can't mm -hmm. and i ended up despite the fact that these services are generally for people that are, you know, like falling over, having fits, all that kind of stuff, because, you know, yeah. when, you when you withdraw, that's that happens. Um, but I did end up getting in with a doctor. And long story short, the doctor sat there and told me that I was, I, I didn't have a problem. 
he sat oh. there, you know, we sat there for an hour and a half. I told him my whole story, laid it all out, told him how uncomfortable it was, how I couldn't get a handle on it, um, how how anxiety provoking the whole thing was and all of that kind of stuff. And he just basically sat there and said, this is so low grade, like, you know, do some meditation. If you want to, I'll oh, put you on no. a drug that will just make you sick if you drink. Um, mm. See you later. And, and it's that stuff, you know. So um to summarize for me um what i needed from my support network was just to appreciate that because it was a problem for me it was a problem and that's what i got so um Good. with the exception of a few people that have been like you know good on you for getting sober but you weren't that bad whatever mm -hmm. you can kind of shake that off the people mm -hmm. closest to me have been um really good at knowing what I needed to um, to achieve this goal. And one thing that my close friends know of me is that if I'm going to immerse myself in something, I need to make it my identity. Mm -hmm. um, and that's definitely what I do. Yeah, that's just, uh, you know, I have to, I have to live it, I have to breathe it, I have to talk about it all the time. And that brings me to the main one. My friends and family let me talk about it non- freaking stop it must have been so exhausting for those <laughs> poor people um bless them but i mean in in the process of that some people have actually stopped drinking my neighbor down the road kath um shout out kath i think she listens to our pod actually she's a friend of the pod um oh, hello. she's in her 60s used to drink bubbles all the time like every time i saw mm -hmm. her she was she, like her blood ran verve <laughs> and um she has been sober now for Steph, I want to say going on four months, um, and she credits that to conversations that we had, which is just oh my god, it makes my heart sing. Awesome, I know. Yeah, I know. And, and there's a few. Why, like that. Yeah, and that's why we do it, right? We yeah. we speak up because, mm. like you just said, you knew it was a problem, mm. and you want In others now. Yeah, and now you want others to feel the same way. In a sense that, like when you call attention to that, it was a problem for you, it might actually make them think about their situation a little bit and be yeah. like, Man, you know, I was really thinking it was a problem too, but you know, I was just blowing it off. But now, you know, I hear Sarah talking about it and mm. look at how great she's doing. And mm. yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a good conversation to have. Um, and I just want to comment too, because I did write about that at my blog post. Um, yeah, letting us talk about it is so therapeutic and it's oh all right. It's because just the it biggest is gift. all that is on our mind. Like you said, it yeah. is all we think about. And I promise it doesn't last forever. Like I probably don't talk about it as much as I did in the beginning. Same. Um, I didn't know, even bring, I mean, I used to bring it up like everybody I saw, I'd be like, you know, yeah. I'd find a way to tell them I was sober. I still right. do that occasionally. I did that on the walk. <laughs> it's like, you know, because it's, it's an interesting point of conversation. But now, oftentimes, like you say, it, it it's just a natural thing that comes up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really hard when people avoid the topic with us and they like dance around it and they don't really. And maybe it's because, and this is also a good reason to have this podcast. And maybe it's because they don't think we want to be asked about it. And maybe, I think yeah. You know, and I think the majority of the people in the sober community would agree that being asked, so are you still sober, 
Mm. How many days are you sober? Like, do you not love that question? Do you not love, love that person? question? Because you're so proud of it. You know, yeah. it's like no different than having a new baby. Like you're so proud yes. of this thing. Yes. So pro tip, we like to give pro tips. Yeah. If you have a sober person in your life and you just don't even know how to like talk about it. Yeah. Ask them. So how's sobriety going? How many days sober are you now? I mean, right there that person it's is gonna huge, just huge, feel like huge. you care so much you know that and you want to hear that yeah yeah and the thing that they're doing there in support is they're not making it about their relationship with alcohol and Bingo. you know that's normally what we get it's mm -hmm. um oh you know and, and i know we go into this pretty much every episode because it's just the achilles heel of the sober person like you want to talk about the benefits of being sober or just sobriety in general you know it's like it's like anything where um you know, there's a an experience you're having and, you know, some growth that you're experiencing. You want to talk about it. But when that's an experience that other people might find a bit confronting, the immediate knee-jerk reaction is to do the comparison. And, you know, that's that's just not we're, – we're not trying to shame anyone, you know. And actually right. I think sometimes um, – it's counteractive to being supportive because it makes the sober person feel guilty for putting mm -hmm. that person in a situation where they feel like they're being judged because we're, we're just, mm -hmm. we're not, we're not judging, you know? Right. Yeah. And it also can sometimes feel like they're kind of undermining your sobriety too, because a lot of times I'll get, well, I only drink like this on the weekends or I, you know, they'll, they'll mm -hmm. like throw that in there and then that can make the sober person feel like, so, you know, if I can do it just on the weekends, then why can't you just do it on the weekend? You know what I'm saying? It's like under yeah, yeah. the yeah. sobriety and the effort there that you're putting yeah. into it. Because then they're just like, well, what's wrong with you? I can just, I can do this on the weekends. Like, and it's never the, and that's, this is another point I want to make. When we're looking at someone getting sober, we, or somebody that has a drinking problem, you know, we want to think it's the person, you know, we want to blame them. And we have to remember that it is the alcohol that is the problem. Yes, no one such a good is point. supposed to, yeah, like our bodies aren't made to handle alcohol. And mm. so you hear that a lot. Oh, she just can't handle her drinking or he can't yeah. handle his booze. No one and can. I hate that. That's bullshit. Because the re whole reason these people are drinking is to get to a point where they don't have to feel anymore. And what yes. comes with that is also, you know, your brain quit work, quits working properly and all these other things. So then for someone to like turn around and say that, it's just, it's so counterintuitive and just, I, I just, it's, it's kind of an Achilles heel for me is the whole, well, I just drink like this on the weekends or whatever, because I really feel like it undermines what I'm trying to portray about my sobriety. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I also think it removes the the the, the core thing, um, which is not necessarily alcohol, it's how it aligns with your values. And that's very different for different people, you know? Yeah. And the people that know you know what you hold dear. And if you think that alcohol is taking you from what you hold dear, um, mm -hmm. 
that's got nothing to do with their experience because they might hold different things dear. They might have different values. They, you know, it's a very personal experience. So I think mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if the For people sure. close to, to somebody who's sober, trying to get sober, sober curious or whatever, um, can just really listen to the person and understand what's underlying their desire, they'll have a better mm -hmm. um, idea of how to support them through it, I think. Right, um, right. So yeah, I, w I was really grateful to my my sort of circle of friends um, for how how they supported me. Although I have told, I think I said in the first episode, my husband who actually um, reduced his drinking before I did. So I've been lucky in that respect as well. Well, not lucky. Mm -hmm. I think we were on the same path. We're quite aligned in. Um, you know, he's he's very active as well. Um, one actually one of the reasons why I couldn't nip it in the bud for so long was because we were almost we've never kind of had a codependency but he's he's he never seemed to have a problem with his drinking and so I felt like I was just being really dramatic because he drank more even than I did yeah. but I think because um you know I do a lot more kind of self-reflective work and stuff like that I just identified yeah. that it was problematic for me before he did and then when he realized it he was like boom you know he's like so I'm, I don't think I said my days. I'm, oh hmm. yeah. I don't think I did. One moment. Things held. <laughs> Old music. I am, oh, I opened the wrong um, sobriety counter. So yeah, if anyone is try, trying to get sober and they need an app, I'll put it in the show notes, but I use sobriety counter. I'm sure Steph will have her own. So we'll put that in the show notes. Um, oh, I'm a hundred. Which one do you have? I don't even know what one I use. Uh, there's so many. Go ahead. Um, I am 151 days and nine hours. I'm just about to crack the five months. Um, so yeah, that's exciting. That is exciting. Um, so yeah, he'd be six months. He'd be six months. But he he does the, what I think is a really hard path, and he sticks to six standard drinks a week. But he drinks Negronis, so one of those is two or three. So he has. Um, just a couple of drinks a week and then drinks mm -hmm. liars negronis in the interim but that works for him like he just has a couple of days a week where he'll watch his certain show and make dinner and have his negroni but um you know he's had to go through the whole same thing as me you know like socializing and all that kind of stuff so yeah. but um when i first decided that i'd had enough like i'd really had enough and i felt that shift that we've talked about you know that like mm, mm -hmm. this is it yep and i yep. said to him I'm just going to do a hundred days. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to commit to a hundred days. And he was like, oh, Sarah, look, you know, you're really hard on yourself when you do that. Just, just start with seven. Like, I was like, <laughs> anyway, looking back on that now, it's really funny because he, he was totally right. You know, like I'd, um, yeah. I just hate myself for, for not doing it right. But yeah, so I've had him alongside me as well. And I think, you know, I probably wouldn't have stuck it out as long. Uh, no, I probably would have actually, um, but it has been a lot more helpful. Um, so yeah, yeah. I think the the takeout here is that um, you need to, to support a sober person effectively. You need to take yourself out of it. Look mm -hmm. at what they're experiencing. Um, be interested in their journey um, mm -hmm. and their challenges. Mm -hmm. Engage with them, um, and really 
that's some total of what we need. It's not massive. It's just, uh, you know, um, a caring ear and some encouraging words. So one thing I also found in sobriety is, um, and I, I know we're talking about the support that we need from other people, but I definitely found that there was support I needed to give myself. And I, I just wanted to maybe chat about that a, a little bit um, because I think another reason why this time it stuck is because I really had my own back and um, I didn't, um, I didn't berate myself the way that I usually did. If I felt like I yeah. wanted to drink, I'd be like, oh, you know, that's a bit crap. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd really focus on what the underlying feeling was and then I'd, I'd give myself what I needed in in, um, in place of, of that. So, um, you know, it's that think, feel, act cycle. I hadn't really managed to master that before, but because between thinking and acting, I, I just went straight from A to B. <laughs> I, uh, such a small you know, window. Thought, yeah, such a small window. And sometimes even, I'd even shut down that middle bit because I didn't I didn't actually want anything getting the way in the way of the, the thought and the drink. Sure. But I really did live in that middle bit where I, I felt the, you know, the emotion that was leading me to, to drink and chose something else. Invariably, um, you'll know what that was, Steph, because... <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I've mentioned them before. It was ginger nut biscuits. Um, <laughs> that was pretty much Which what I cookies. needed every time. Which are cookies. Yeah, cookies, cookies. Or uh, American. Yes, I have to find the equivalent. They're bloody delicious. Um, but there were great. there were other things. They're so good. Um, but yeah, there were other things. Um, uh, I go to a gym called F forty five down the road and. Um, they were, I actually I had an Instagram profile at that time called Booze Free Me and um, I'd get them to take like reels of me and stuff so I could put it on my uh, sober Insta and they were just like, you know, really into, um, you know, supporting me and, um, you know, they've mentioned, um, you know, the weight I've lost and stuff like that. You know, they're just really in it kind of with me and mm -hmm. I really liked that. And so one of my self-support things is just going there and, kind of being really vulnerable about what I was doing. And, um, you know, it's, it's it's a place I've always gone to. Like I've always gone to the gym, always done that stuff. But it's a bit different now because I feel like a bit of a, a bit of a superhero. Um, yeah. Netball, always netball. I really immersed myself. I played a few extra games a week than I normally would and, you know, just really got into my team and really enjoyed that. Um, and that sort of took up my Saturday afternoons and takes up my Monday evenings and then I train and all that kind of sits a lot. You're awesome, um, I though. Like, <laughs> I love netball. So active, such an active life. <laughs> have to burn the, uh, have to 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 burn all the energy, the the, the mental energy. I have a book yeah. club as well. Um, that's another mm -hmm. situation where you know they all sit around and have their wine. It's not even a thing that I don't, you know, you know, except to ask those interested questions like how long haven't you been drinking for you know i'm so lucky in that respect um mm -hmm. highly recommend a book club like you've got something to um commune over that's not alcohol any situation where you can commune over something else that's not alcohol i yeah, would highly recommend that's not the, the main attraction isn't alcohol yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, having a goal, obviously, I just finished the 100K walk. Mm-hmm. I've got a 50K run coming up, having, I think, in uh, having goals. <laughs> yeah, no, mental. That one's actually awful. Oh I'm going to try and make it less awful. Um, oh, okay. That's in October. That's really high elevation. Ugh, anyway. I'm forgetting it's too soon to think about that just yet. But, you know, having goals, I think, mm-hmm. um, similar to you, Steph, and I'm sure you'll talk about your goals with Linda as well, like um, giving yourself goals to work towards so mm-hmm. that they're, you know, you can be kind of laser focused. I think really that was something that really helped me. Um, and, yeah, I've just I've just been my own biggest fangirl, really. I just love myself yeah. sick. I just think I'm great. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, so are you um and obviously actually that was one of the other things sober sponsors i mean having you and you know the kind of sober instagram um uh you know um uh community around is is incredibly mm-hmm. helpful too but definitely i would say you know if somebody can create the kind of relationship that we have for themselves i would highly recommend that you know somebody that you can just be really vulnerable with i mean the things we've told each other you know there's you just couldn't tell anybody else because you just you, you well i mean maybe close friends you know blah 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 but right. i think there's probably things i've told you that i haven't because you need somebody who's in the same sort of stage of sobriety with the same sort of value same sort of personality and if you can create that mm-hmm. that's a really great support that you can give yourself as well because they'll always say the right things you know because they know yeah. and yeah. people can't know what they don't know right Right, um, right. So yeah, find a find a support in sobriety who understands sobriety, and you you mm-hmm. can't go wrong. I think. What about yeah. you, Steph? What did you put in in place to support yourself and create self soothing and all that stuff? Yeah. So definitely, like you said, with the in the beginning. Now I don't even really think about drinking. It's kind of funny how it it kind of went through like this like fizzle out series. So in the beginning, yes, it was definitely something I thought about because it was so habit. It was involved in everything that I did. And so, yeah, I would have to stop and like ask myself, what are you feeling? Like, why is, why is this thought coming up? And then I also would do the run it forward, which a lot of people on sober Instagram talk about where I would fast forward through the night. Okay. What happens if I do have this one? I'll probably Mm, have two, three. And then what happens? I wake up tomorrow and I really wanted to do this, this, or this tomorrow. And I'm yeah. not going to, or I will do it, but I'm going to be miserable while I do it. And if you really can like play the movie out completely, because you know, you've done it a million times. So you know how it's going to end. And if you can mm. just remind yourself of that, that really helps to like get you out of it. Yeah. Um, you know, just it's that's sort of probably a favorite the to future thing. you. Yeah, but I do remember, um, cause I, you know, as you know, Christmas Day was the last drink for me. And it was end of May. We went back home for my niece's graduation. And so I had been at it for five months. Um, there was a moment being around all these people. And mind you, it was all people that I used to drink with because it's all our friends and family from back home. There was a moment out of just sheer habit that I almost went and grabbed a drink. Wow. And I caught myself. That would have been so confronting. Yeah. And I caught myself and I'm like, wait a minute, you don't, that's not you. You don't do that anymore. And it wasn't because I was like, there was no part of my brain that was, oh man, I need a drink. It was literally out of 
pure habit, habit. like someone mm-hmm. who chews their nails and they don't even realize they're doing it. It was that kind of like feeling yeah. that led wow. to that. So it was wild, but I, I will tell you, it's really fizzled out there. It's very rare that it comes up. So it does get better. Um, it's just like anything else you practice, right? You just get better and better at it and you're retraining your brain to not go there. Um, books have been huge. I'm like you, I'm so into self-help and Mm -hmm. reading and learning everything I want to learn about whatever I'm in. And so right now, a lot of, you know, the sober type books and self-help books, um, which, you know, when we do recommendations, I will always give those shout outs and let you guys know what I've been reading and what's worked. So helpful. Yeah, that was huge. Um, working out, I started that in January and now like you, Sarah, I've always been into fitness, but I will say not to the level that you were. Obviously I wouldn't have even been able to with the amount of alcohol that I was drinking, but I did give it a good go quite a few times and, you know, always felt like I was failing and always blamed Mm -hmm. myself. Crappy feeling. Always blamed myself. And I always made sure that I found the diet or the workout that would align with my, first of all, my drinking hours, my yes, drinking same. schedule, my same. hangover time. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I was cheating myself of so much. And so That's it's so crazy because I, I, worked, I totally did that too. Yeah. I worked mm. so hard, harder than I needed to with alcohol yeah. in the picture. We'll put it that way. Alcohol made yeah. me have to work that much harder. Once Same. I took alcohol out of the scenario, working out, I have been consistent for eight months. Mm-hmm. I cannot, yeah. I have never done that in my life. And it has been a breeze. I mean, yeah. not a breeze. I wouldn't say it's been a breeze, but it's, but been, it's been enjoyable, sustainable. right? Sustainable. It's enjoyable. Yeah. It's sustainable. It's something that I look forward to. It gives me that rush that I need. And it's way better than, is it the dopamine? You always have to help me with this yeah. one. Is it the dopamine? Endorphins. 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 All yeah. of that, that rush, it just, and it lasts so much longer than yeah. the 20 minutes you get from yeah. alcohol. Yeah. It, it just continues all day and into my week. So um, highly recommend it. And I, I, I got myself a trainer because let me tell you, when you quit drinking and you drank at the level I did, you have a lot of um, money and you need to reinvest <sighs> that in yourself. Yes. 100%. Yes. Always invest in yourself. Never turn down an opportunity because of money if it's going to benefit you like I always say like I I will spend the money to invest in my health and myself so I don't think I've actually saved any money by stopping drinking because I non-alcoholic stuff is just as expensive and I you know spend Mm -hmm. more on other things so yeah that one hasn't been one of my benefits (laughs) I've definitely reinvested into into that getting a trainer and just making sure I'm doing everything right I mean that's that's who I am anyway. Like if I'm going to do it, I'm doing this shit right. If I'm going to spend the time, we're doing it right. Like we're going to do it right. So we get the results and we're not spinning our wheels. So, I mean, yeah, look at me. I went sober. Like I can't just have a few drinks. So we're going to do this shit right. We're going to just not drink at all. And it just makes it so much easier for me. And then another thing, and I, I really want to mention this to everyone because it was a big thing for me. Um, therapy. And, you know, I, my therapist tells me all the time that I'm very self-aware and I am. And I, and I know that about myself because I pride myself on that. Like, I really like to know why I do the things I do, why I feel the way I feel, like what I can do to improve myself. 
but I did go through a time and I think others have too. I actually seen somebody on um, sober Instagram write about this as well, where it was probably about month five and six. Um, I really had a hard time seeing the ones I love drink. Yeah. And I really hated feeling that way. I mean, I would see people that I love drink and I would get so enraged inside because Mm. at that point I was feeling so good. And I also had done enough reading and research to know what they were doing to themselves, Mm. drinking the way they were. And it came from a place of just, I truly care about these people. And it's like watching them light themselves on fire. So like the metaphor I use to explain this and to have even explained it to my therapist is to me, it was like alcohol was an abusive partner, right? Abusive boyfriend, like just abused the fuck out of me. Mm -hmm. And I finally got that out of my life. And now, and I've told everyone that this is what he was doing to me. And this is how bad it was. And this is how it messed me up. And then I watched them hang out with him and glorify him and think he's just the greatest thing. And I know that that's not really probably what was going on. They don't see it that way, but that's that's the best way for me to explain how I was feeling. Like I just, I saw alcohol as this horrible, horrible thing. And then every, and that it was going to do to them what it did to me. And so on the flip side of like how to support a sober person as a sober person, we also need to learn how to take control of what we can control and Mm -hmm. face our problem on head on. And don't, Mm -hmm. don't make everyone around you feel like your problem is their problem and they have Mm -hmm. the same problem as you, because Mm -hmm. we are all going to go through things at different times when we're ready. And so um, if you ever are feeling feelings that are ugly and you and they're obsessive and you don't like the way they are in your head like I was feeling reach out for help like Mm. it helped me so much sort Mm. through that and yeah now I don't drive myself crazy and Mm. and think that way when I see the ones I love drinking I guess that kind of wraps up today's topic. Yeah. Um, I hope people got lots of good stuff out of that. I think they're hard one um, insights, right? So somebody else can, somebody else's path can be a little easier because then they know those things. Yeah. And I know that um, I've gotten some feedback that there are people that maybe don't have issues with alcohol, but they listen to the podcast because they have someone in their life who does. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, this is a good reminder that, you know, we are not professionals. We are just two women Mm -hmm. who are experiencing sobriety and sharing, you know, our version of it, how we deal with it. And if you really do have someone that needs help, um, make sure that you get them the right help. Yeah, definitely. Very important. So should we go over our recommendations yes, for this yes, week? Yes. I actually think I have a really good one this week. All um, right, let's and hear I know it. I sent it to you as well, Steph. I will actually put a disclaimer that I'm not the whole way through it because it goes for two hours. And as somebody with ADHD, um, two hours. I mean, like, too much. Too okay, much. I don't have ADHD 
and that's too long. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but you know, I'm doing the best I can in bits before my mind wanders and I go shiny thing. Yeah. Um, so, but it's freaking exceptional. So I will, as with everything, put a link in the, the show notes, but it's a um, podcast by Andrew Huberman. Um, he's, he has crazy credentials, which is, uh, I started listening to this and it is just mind blowing. It's next level, right? It's next level. I, he's some kind of scientist, doctor, knows this stuff, right? Biologist, um, something. He knows things about the body. Right, right. Um, <laughs> in a scientific like in, way. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That you, you know, you don't learn just by kind of you know no. being around the traps like he's yeah. he knows he's educated. Um, anyway yeah that's the word yes. <laughs> so um i think he's a neuroscientist he's actually dr andrew huberman is a tenured professor of neurobiology and ophthalmology at the stanford school of medicine so this episode that's actually been doing the rounds quite a lot so hopefully um, people have heard of it, but um, it's what alcohol does to your body, brain, and health. As I said, it's two hours and it's like jam packed. It's got things like, um, you know, just generally the effects of alcohol consumption, um, what inebriation does, like um, the impulsivity and how it affects how you form memories, the effect on your sleep, um, food and alcohol absorption which i know we'll talk to i think with eric when he comes on as well that's a huge one like what it does to your metabolism alcohol and serotonin genetic predispositions gut liver brain um how it can cause leaky gut um it is freaking incredible i'll put a link to the show notes highly recommend um even if you have to do it in little chunks like I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just chipping away at it on my walks and it is, it is unbelievable. Some of this yeah. stuff, um, yeah. that we don't know as a society, like they just don't tell us this part. They don't, oh, I think, yeah, they, exactly. I think that, yeah, there's a good reason and it's that nobody would go near the shit if they knew mm-hmm. the real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Steph, what yeah. have you been consuming Okay, so I just finished the book called The Inner Work. It's by Matt and Ash. They're little yogi masters. Um, You might have seen them on TikTok. And I highly recommend this book. Um, It says here, if you are a human and you want to be happy, this book is for you. So it's for everybody. Yeah, I will tell you, for those of you who don't know this about me, I'm very spiritual. And spirituality, I should have added that to, like, what has helped me get through my sobriety because Mm. it's a huge part of what has got me through my sobriety. Just to know that, you know, I have my spirit guides. They're always with me and Mm. um, guiding me through and that I cannot fail because I always have them to support me they're probably my biggest support system because they, they have that unconditional love. So the inner work, oh man. So (laughs) it's kind of like, you know how you have a voice in your head and there's other books that talk about this as well. So this is probably just another angle. Um, So if you're more of a spiritual person and you, this angle probably, because this angle worked way better for me than the untethered soul 
is another book similar to this. So if you have read The Untethered Soul or know what that's about, this is very similar. It really just kind of goes along the lines of that voice that's in your head and kind of disconnecting from that voice and knowing that, you know, a lot of times we're telling ourselves stories that aren't true Mm -hmm. and, you know, that it's ego and all of those things. Like I said, it's really hard to, for me to break all this down, but um, Mm -hmm. it's really, really good. If you're, if you feel like you're an overthinker, yeah, here's the best way to put it. If you feel like you're an overthinker or that you're really critical to yourself in your head and it's causing a lot of unhappiness because your thoughts are always so negative and unhappy, this book will help you dissect those thoughts, figure out why they're there, and basically change the narrative of that that little voice in your head. It's it's amazing. Amazing. That sounds incredible, Steph. All right, well, I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Um And I think that brings us to the end of episode three. Um, We have a cracking topic next week. I can't wait to discuss it. Um, And I know that you're uh, going to be blogging about it as well or possibly already have. I am Um, working on it. It'll probably be out this week. Very close to being published. So Brilliant. So we'll be talking about um, the things that surprised us about sobriety, the mm-hmm. things you'd expect, some of the weird and wacky things, and there are some. Yeah. <laughs> there are some strange ones. Um, and, uh, yeah, just digging down into, um, yeah, what we've, what, we've, what we've discovered along the way and, um, and those changes. So, yeah, tune yeah. in for This Is Us Sober and the things that uh, surprised us next week, and we'll chat to you then. Bye, Steph. Bye, Sarah. Thank you for listening to the This Is Us Sober podcast. If you know someone who's questioning their relationship with alcohol, please share this podcast with them. Nobody should feel alone in sobriety. And if you like what we had to say, please give us a follow so you don't miss out on future episodes. And if you're really into us, give us a five-star review.